I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Joining me today is Grant Heyer. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. We met at a Poets and Writers event, probably the last one there was at the very beginning of the year, sadly. Um, that was a wonderful event, and I have your book right here. Oh, thank, thank you. I have your book right here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was at a poets and writers roundtable, it at the uh, museum. In, at the museum, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it was the last event that uh, before this all the isolation happened. Yeah. So yeah, but it was a pleasure meeting you, and I'm you glad you're doing this. I have a question before we get into your current work. Um, at what age, what point in your life did you turn to poetry or have you always been a writer? That's a good question. Um, I've always been a writer, I would say, if those are the, the choices. I think, you know, it, it's just something I've always done. And I, I've, when people ask me, where do you find the time to write? When I try and figure that out, I think, well, that, I don't think that that's the right question. I think that question misses uh what what it is to be a writer for me at least i know every writer is different but um it's just the way i process the world so oh, yes something i've always my parents tell me i was reading by the time i was three i had an older sister who was teaching me and i was one of those kids who read the dictionary and looked up etymologies and sounding out words oh. and all just always you know my parent my grandparents and parents were telling stories and reading to us and i was fascinated by by the world and um, I wrote, it was just, I, I think art is in general, all the arts are a way of, again, I'm going to qualify it. It's, it's, it's a different process for every artist, but for me, it's a way of understanding the world better. So it's just a way of breathing. It's just a way of, of taking in the information or hearing a phrase or thinking about something and, and doing that on that canvas instead of all internally yes. and then seeing I understand it's like circling the flame of truth, you know, that my paintings will do it or my music will do it or my poems or something will get me closer to that um, reality, that, that truth, the emotional truth that I, that I seek most times in my poetry and understanding. And so it's, it's, it's not that I turn to writing. I think I've always just done it because I've always been in love with words. Yes. And, and I, I see it as a way of seeing the world. It's not a switch I turn off, on or off and say, suddenly I'm going to be a poet now. Right. Yeah. And I know for me, I have been driven to write where I all of a sudden have this moment where it's like exercising. I have to go be alone and throw myself in front of a notebook and off I go because my book was written in a notebook wherever yeah. I went on a plane in a library and just the act of creating characters or words, and it's it's an amazing way to process things, but also to, I, I don't know, I felt like I go to it somewhere else, and I yeah. feel better after that few hours of writing. Yep, and if I don't, for any extended period of time, I'm not centered. Right. It's just something that I always always turn to and do it. Yes. It's interesting when I was, um, I just finished it. the book, the manuscript I'm working on now is um, 
it's called Lyrae, 394 poems in 365 days. And I, I wrote a poem a day as part of an April 30 for 30 challenge that uh, uh, the poet Lorraine Delaney Ullman, I mean, I've been in a writing group with her for uh, years, decades, and we're in a poetry reading group and she just threw out an invitation saying, do you want to write 30 poems in 30 days for National Poetry Month? Mm -hmm. And I immediately, I said, no, I don't have the time. And as soon as those words <laughs> left my lips, I went, oh, you know, really? Oh, you write every day anyway. Yeah. So why not try and finish a poem? And then I thought, well, then it's forcing it. And I don't know. And, but I love the community of, I love seeing my other poets' words. And I thought, you know, I'm going to regret it if I don't. Yes. was my first. So I said, yeah. And so I did 30. And at the end of April and May, I went, anybody from May? And nobody did, and so I just did it myself. And then June, I threw out the invite again, and two other poets joined. And so I just, every month, I, I went. And it was like exercising. It's exactly what you, you, you mentioned. Um, yeah. I felt my chops getting better, like building muscles. And, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm old, and I've been writing a while. But so to, to feel myself grow. Yes. Um, was really eye-opening for me. And so... And, and uplifting. Oh, totally. It was like a high. I, yes. I swear to you, Jeanine, It is a high. I was thinking, this is like I'm on some kind of drug that's turned my eyesight and ears to better, you know, to high, I, like I turned the sensitivity up. And I was noticing things during the day. Um, just because it's just in... Because it kept me in process. Yes, and so um, I became just a better writer and a more a, a alive and awake in the world. And, Don't yeah. you feel with, that when you have a deadline, you make your own deadline, mm -hmm. that it's, you feel so much better. You meet that deadline. You, you, you use your time productively. I don't imagine you're binging Netflix. You're not that kind of person. Well, I do. I, I, and I have. I don't write a poem a day anymore. I stopped oh, okay. after at the end of 365 days, the month before, I was approaching that, you know, that milestone. And I thought, yeah. what am I going to do, you know? Going to binge Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I really was torn. I wanted to keep going and be that, be that better writer. I mean, if the struggle is to find time to write for writers. And if, sure. if I'm doing it and I'm feeling better, um, then I'm, I'd be a fool to stop. And yet... I stop yoga, even though I know it makes me feel better. And I, you know, we do all these things, but I, uh, but right beforehand, the city of Anaheim said, you're going to be the next poet laureate. And I went, okay, so I don't know what that commitment's going to be. I'm going to, I'm going to put that project down. I can always return and, and start it later. Um, and so that's what I did after I finished. And as soon as I told my publisher that I've written 360, 394 poems, and he said, that's a book. Sure. And it's, it, it's all written. It's going to be easy. <laughs> sure. So we thought, because then I realized, you know, the teacher in me, I'm also an educator. And I thought, uh, it's a missed opportunity if I don't talk about the experience and, and, and the tricks I, I invented new ways to write poems that I never considered before, just because of that deadline, you know, the really? midnight would come, I'd be tired. I'd be a day of teaching creative writing mm -hmm. and, about to start my drive home and the midnight deadline was there and I knew I wouldn't have time to compose it my traditional ways. And so I picked up my 
phone, turn on the memo and dictate a poem. And then I became proficient at dictating poems in. That's great. I, not only because of that deadline. I was a, I, I had a journalism scholarship out of high school. Wow. And, and the deadlines to me were, I always work better under a deadline, you mm -hmm. know? But I do think it's true uh, that a, a, a job will expand or contract according to the time you have for it. So if you have, you know, eight weeks to build a fence before the relatives come or whatever, yeah, it'll take you eight weeks to do, to do yeah. it uh, as a rule. I mean, just generally. Unless you don't like them and you tell them it's going to take 16, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Fill the house with uncomfortable furniture. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like when you found out you were, you were going to be Poet Laureate? It, well, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what it involved. I mean, it was a high honor. What does it involve? Um, <laughs> well, it's a, the, the title is the Poet Laureate for the City of Anaheim and the Literary Ambassador. And um, traditionally, the Poet Laureate got a butt of sack, um, which is when I say that, when I visited schools, you know, the kids all laugh, especially the younger ones. Yes. Um, but that's a basically 126 gallons uh, in a wooden cask that they called uh, uh, a butt, I guess. And the sack was sherry or some kind of alcohol. It's in Shakespeare quotes it, I think, in The Tempest. Okay. They wrote in on, Stefano wrote in on a butt of sack or something. Butt of sack. Um, so I, I always like that. Um, it, it was not a paid gig, um, although some poets laureate uh, get uh, some kind of stipend to run programs. I was the first, so I was kind of setting it up. There was no nothing before me. Um, and so, because I'm an educator, I focused my efforts on visiting schools and, and the underrepresented communities and mm -hmm. giving away books and class and setting up readings and workshops. That's I set great. up uh, workshops for refugees where they're writing in their own language about their experience. Um, and so it was just to spread the love of literature and to hold events and I, uh, one year into it, I asked the uh, Culture and Heritage Commission to meet with them. And I told them I would not, it was a two year appointment. And I said, well, I'm not going to apply again. Um, so we had plenty of time, but let's get some diversity in here. Let's get, yes. let's get people who are more representative of our community. Good. Um, rather than the old white guy who's in all the books, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or who, you know, metaphorically, I'm not in all the books, but. Right. Um, the city is diverse, and, and the more that people can see, the more I could share the mic. Um, I mean, I, I didn't want to, I, I probably could have stayed in had I applied again, or I would have had a good shot at it at least, but uh, no, I mean, my whole, my whole strategy for, for holding events was to share the mic, is to yeah. hold an event and then let the, let the people speak in their own voice. That's wonderful. Yeah. So... Growing up, I was a little challenged with poetry. I think I remember something called, is it ionic pentameter? Iambic pentameter. Okay. These That's are things it. like would intimidate me. Could you give me a general idea of where people can start with poetry if they're not yeah. familiar? Yeah, that, absolutely. And, and that was one of the challenges of, of, uh, of reaching out to the community for people who have never gotten into poetry and don't think they like it because it's, it's because most of the poetry they've been exposed to, at least in school traditionally, uh, I'm just, again, I'm painting with a very broad brush, so forgive me. Um, but the tendency in education has been to turn to the old 
poems that either are really sing-songy. Yes. Um, or Shakespeare. And it's not in a language that is that the modern era is used to. And so if you're only exposed for a short period of time to it, you don't get into the natural rhythms and, and hear the beauty of the language and the music that Shakespeare had. And he did. So um, iambic pentameter Shakespeare wrote most of his plays in. And it's, it's um, simply put, an iamb is a, is a foot. We can break syllables up into metrical feet. So an unstressed followed by a stress, da-dum, da-dum is an iamb. And if you oh. have five of those in a line, it's da-dum, 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 oh. da-dum. So iamb, big five, pentam, a penta five, and iambs, five iamb. So Shakespeare, um, um, let, us, let me not to the merits of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when it alterations lines or bends with the remover to remove. So I'm saying it the way the human speech says it. And in English, an I am is the most common. It's like a heartbeat. Right. And so I could say, um, when I have fears that I may cease to be, da 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 Or I could just say, when I have fears that I may cease to be, you know, it's, so it's the way that it's delivered. Um, so that's what it is, iambic pentameter. It's a, it's a way of, of controlling the meter of a, of a poetic line. It also reminds me of, let's say, rap music. Or, or sure. And, you know, like if you, if you think of um, Hamilton or any kind of rap music, like you dissect what they're doing. It's so fascinating how it's, it's to me, I was watching Hamilton the other night. It's brilliant. It is. It really is. It's mind blowing brilliant. And I'm sure from a poetry perspective. Yeah. It's beautiful. And so great to, to hear that and to see it be so popular. Um, and, but, you know, music is the close uh, sister of poetry. Yes. The troubadours were doing verse and storytelling and narratives and using all those techniques. Um, and as they'd come through a town, they'd use a repetition so that the ears could remember it uh, the next Excuse time me, Like, around. for instance, like, are you thinking of, like, Buddy Guy and blues and... For sure, that's a straight formula. Blues is yeah. a formula, um, and so it's all it's all musical. And if you look at the terms, you know, there's there's beat and rhythm and breath and and song and pitch and all of those things are are happening in the arts in both poetry and music. And yeah. so, um, yeah, there, it's very closely related. It's interesting. Is it hard sometimes for kids to get their wrap their brain around the concepts you teach? Um, n not when it's, I, I found no, Good. I found when if it's presented in a way, um, when, so one of the, uh, a technique I use often for the, when I was visiting kindergarten classrooms or, or K-12, um, but it works everywhere is I'll, um, I'll say, okay, just listen to this and I'll, I'll go, da, 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 da. And they're all going, wow, that's like a drum beat. That's like whatever. Yeah. But that's the opening to um, 
do this book, Untended Garden. So mm -hmm. I just did in the in the in the meter as what you said. I went da 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 da, da which is iambic. Da 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 da. Only it's tetrameter because it's four instead okay. of five. Da, 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 da. This neighborhood is filled with birds. This neighborhood is filled with birds. And then, so the ear goes, oh, I got it, yeah. Yes. The plaintive call of a morning dove and the distant response from a wire unseen. Two crows on grass that Bob Mancock has one. Of course, I don't read it that way, but if I do it, da, 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 you hear yes. stressed, unstressed, and then you realize, oh, that's music. That's, that's music. It is, it is. And I think that's what I, how I process things, definitely with musical ear. Um, now, tell me more about what you're doing now. Obviously, you're at home. I've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I still write every day, uh, as I always have, for most mm -hmm. of my life, I always have. Um, although I'm not completing a poem a day, it's, I've been working on this book manuscript. So um, part of that, that missed opportunity I was talking about was to present the poems raw. I wanted to present them raw as they came that day. And several of them I edited for similitude. And while we were waiting for me to write, as soon as I said, I'm gonna write about the process, it was like watching a tidal wave approaching from, <laughs> from the, a distance because I realized to write about every poem would take another 365 days if I were to write one a day. Right. And that was an exhausting, uh, thought and so I um, so I didn't write about every poem but I did write about the seed the process and and I wanted it to to be an opportunity a teaching opportunity for all levels so I wanted to write it in a way I told my publisher about a Peloponnesus uh, Mark Gibbons about about what I wanted to do and he was so on board he went well take your time you tell me how long it's going to take and then when the it kind of took the pressure off. Good. And so he said, you got another book in the queue? And I went, yeah. And so we did, we did the other two, you know, the difference between and similitude. And so this has been, I start, I did that 365 days between 2017 and 2018, April to, wow. you know, to, to the following April, end of May, um, March. And then the Poet Laureate Chip took my energies and then right afterwards, I, I went back to the manuscript and now this, this self-isolation and then life happens in between, as you right. know, and you have to get yeah. the funk out and then you got to figure out ways to cope yes. with all that's thrown at you. You know, I yes. had, I had a, uh, my father died and my, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, it, it's, you know, but, and in a time when all these things are going on, it, it just really is a lesson of, um, of community and 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 where you do have those connections and where you can find them mm -hmm. like we're finding it right here you know right. not as good as a hug it's not as good as in person right. sharing a cup of or, yes. or whatever but uh breaking bread together we do you know we find our ways and so it it's you know it's growth it's it's uh not it to, it, it's just a new way of figuring out how to cope in a crazy world but that's life life has changed and, right um so my point was is that it it turned into a uh well now i can settle into things now i have time with my wife 
Now I have time with my, uh, you know, my dogs and I can turn to those other, those other projects. And so it's just a reshuffling. Yes. Well, and I think it's a, a, a tuning in and focusing on the things that we perhaps didn't spend enough time with in the first place. Yeah. It's, it's a, a reality slap. It's like, uh, you know, these things have been here all along and we were running, I feel at such a fast speed and uh -huh. deadlines and this and that. And I think things were getting neglected, including the dog, you know, that's it. You know, if I put down what's, what's important and, and they don't make the top priorities, well, it's, it's like your book and it's like crisis management. It's, it shakes you up, but it's an opportunity to reassess and to, to reprioritize and, yeah. and become I mean, a better person. I mean, that was, that was the point of that poem that we talked about on the night we met about, um, about, um, uh, the, the crack in the pot becoming the strongest spot. It's like things that are broken when they heal um, can be the, that. It can be the thing that is most valued, the place of the healing and the growth. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was noticing about your writing is there are probably misconceptions about poetry. Like I used to think, oh, every other line has to rhyme. And like, how did you learn the style of just creating things that don't necessarily rhyme, but they make sense if you're, if you're saying them out loud as you're writing them? I don't know if that's your process as you're writing to do the beats, to hear mm -hmm. how it flows, but how did you learn to really extend yourself and grow as a poet? Um, by the doing, by the work, the hard work. Um, your ear gets, gets uh, tuned in to different things and you start noticing things. Um, you know, if you hang out with a photographer for a year, day to day, and that photographer starts talking to you about what that photographer is seeing and the light coming off of, you know, you start noticing things that your eye hadn't been trained to before. That's true. And at the end of the year, you'll, you'll be seeing more like a photographer by that, by learning to do. So for me, it was, I didn't have, I didn't study poetry until later in life. I, I wrote what I thought was poetry, um, but it was really song lyrics. I mean, every record album I had, I'm dating myself, I had stuffed with notebook pages uh, where I wrote down every lyric, every ooh and ah and beat and uh, breath. And I just was just the words. I was just, you know, into that, hearing that and, and so when I started writing myself, it was in the form of a song lyric. It was very metrical. It was very rhymy. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a decade and until, and I called it poetry. And then I didn't realize until I really started studying poetry that that wasn't what poetry was being defined as. Yes. Of course, poetry shifts, you know, it's like language. English is in a living language and the definition of words are determined through usage. So what a word means is what it means when, people use it. And yeah. so there is no one set definition inherent in that word. They have the roots of the word still hold the etymology hold that. But, and so I, so I came into the process of writing poems with, already with my rhyme and rhythm, like really ingrained. And then um, I remember in 72, again, I'm dating myself. <laughs> that was the first time a poem came without rhyme that that was in a voice that still had music 
still had meter, but it was disguised. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, that's different. That's really a new maturity in my voice. And so my, and that's been something that I've kept ever since is that I, my poems have a lot of craft and, and, and internal rhymes and rhythms and that I try and disguise. So that anyone, so somebody reads it, they won't necessarily see that happening, but there'll be enough callbacks to sonics, like um, assonance, the repeated vowel sounds, which is close to rhyme, you know, the ah in this word and then the ah in a word. Yes. Um, or an O and an O later. It's a little bit of music, it's a little ear candy. And if you string those together and you do that just daily, your practice then just, it's like composing. Yes composing music and so your language it is it is it's it's a it is an artistic language and then i find the same is true in 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 music and in painting you know you're 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 finding that balance and the, the colors and the callbacks and the and the complementary things that are happening um i think all the arts are related i think they all come from the same source i think personally. so too yeah. yeah is there anything else you'd like people to know about you um uh, I, I don't know. I, I, that, yeah, through the arts, through, I, I would, I would encourage people to practice the arts if you've never tried it because it makes you more in love with the world. Yeah. It makes you more aware of the world, it makes you f more fully experience, um, all that's around you. And then, and then read, if you want to be a good writer, read a lot because then it, it broadens your perspective. It shows you how other people think and live. It, and you answer questions on the page that you don't even know you're asking, or at least you're understanding it better. If you're not getting the answer, you're at least understanding those things you might not understand or, or, or people, uh, characters. And that just, that has to broaden your worldview. Right. When you hear other people's stories or you try writing in other, other ways than just your own. And then that builds understanding and that builds empathy. And so, yeah. So what I would want people to know is that the arts are a wonderful thing that, that everybody should try, I think. Especially now. I mean, now's the time to really figure out what kind of creative outlet, writing, music, whatever, painting, anything to submerse yeah. yourself in. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Where can people find out more about you? Um, I have a website. It's uh, my name.com, G-R-A-N-T-H-I-E-R, -E or I also have G-Hire, my initials, G-H-I-E-R.com. And then uh, my publications are there, my different projects are all there. I have to update it. That's another thing on my to-do list. <laughs> when you have time. <laughs> when I have time. Yeah. Um, and thank you for doing the show, it's wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, are you teaching online right now? Yeah, halfway through last semester, uh, I teach college. I, I um, teach creative writing and uh, critical reasoning in different courses, literature courses. And so halfway through the semester, we, um, we went to online. Uh, and all of the liberal arts now are going to be online. I'm teaching online. Okay. Um, most, almost all the liberal arts. Um, so yeah, I, I'll continue with that. Um, Good. Yeah. Excellent. So if people want to reach out and find out about taking one of your classes, they would just find your information on your website? Yeah. Um, come to my website, email me. Um, my, there's a link there on 
at my website and I welcome, you won't be bugging me. I welcome, I always like talking about art and literature. Yeah, I forgot to mention, I'm also uh, during this uh, isolation, um, recording a couple different pod podcasts. Um, one is on the creative process. Uh, I'm doing it with Luis Perez of the, of the band Los Lobos. And cool. we, we, uh, we're texting each other late at night anyway, lines of poetry and, and that's our creative time. That's when, mm -hmm. we, um, and so we and, but we, um, we both do multiple genres in our art. And so we just, we talk about life and the creative process and things we find interesting. Um, and we hope others will for, for the masses in this, you know, right. some distraction diversion. Um, and so we're, uh, we're in the process, we're recording them now and, um, you know, we'll put seasons together and, and release them soon. I hope. You know what I wanted to ask you too yeah. is what do you do when you, I don't know if you, this happens to you perhaps when you feel burnt out, when you feel stuck, when you go to the paper and nothing seems like it's really coming out right. Do you step away and go do something else? And what would that be? Um, yes, sometimes. Um, I, I tend to, to stick with it. I, I find there's so, so many different ways to approach, uh, to find your way in uh, that. In fact, that's what I write about in my, in my book. Uh, the, the index are different ways to get into uh, uh, to the writing, to start the process from the, the tabula rasa, blank your mind and just see what happens. But when nothing comes, then what? Right. So ec little exercises like a, pick a line that you like, that you admire, either from a poem or a novel or, or any piece of writing, and then look at it and try either, and then imitate it in some way, either the beats like we talked about, mm -hmm. or the vowel sounds, or the number of words, or, or come up with opposites, right? You know, if it says the day was growing, you could go, the night was shrinking. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just gets, it's like a push start yes, and pop the clutch and right. you go. And then you just, it, and then you have to learn part of that training is to, to be, to let the writing become what it wants to be and uh, not force it too much. So um, yes, you, yes, you're in control and you have to control it and make it a good read and make it understandable or at least whatever it is your, your goals are for writing. But, um, but I find that the, the more you listen, the more you let it come naturally, organically and follow it, the more it seems like it has a life of its own. And it yeah. starts like, I don't know where a poem is going. Almost all of my poems, it'll start with a seed, a word I hear or a line that I like um or an event that makes me wonder or a question mm -hmm. and as soon as i start writing i just follow it and it's almost like i'm 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 surrendering it yes. surrendering myself to just follow whatever i mean it's my thoughts right uh, on one level but also there's some kind of thing i can't explain that that just happens and so i would say stay at it and and look at the different, there's a million ways to, to, um, to prime the pump. Um, and, and they're fun. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're growth. Right. And at the end of it, you end up with something that you never would have had you not tried it. And then you flex that, you've grown that little new muscle. It's, it's, it's what in teaching what we call scaffolding. Um, 
this Lev Vygotsky. Um, it was a this incredible brain who who pioneered. He, he I'll, I'll just do a little aside. I'll try to make sure. it brief. He um, he was in the former Soviet Union. Um, he went to college. He studied um, literature. Um, he wrote his thesis on Hamlet. And right around the time he was about to graduate, they realized he wasn't enrolled. He was just going there, turning in the papers, doing it for love of it. And then he did set design. And then he did, he, he was a polymath. He just loved all these things. One of the things he loved was education and how the mind works and how the mind learns and how it's creative. Mm-hmm. And so he studied the children of coal miners in the remote regions and how they were taught and learned. And he came up with a phrase called the zones of proximal development. What is and that? I use, well, I use that in teaching. Okay. And, um, it's, and, and it's also now become the norm. Um, it, scaffolding. So um, imagine your, your knowledge base, your existing knowledge base coming into this interview. It was a, a circle or a throw of light. Okay. And then there are things just beyond that that you have the capacity to get to um, on your own. So real learning happens within. Mm-hmm. Um, but the teacher then points to that. And rather than give you the answer, says, well, if you know this and this and this, and we see this structure, um, what's there? And so then it's, it's proximal to your knowledge base, but you develop it out just outside that on your own, and that's how you grow knowledge. So a good teacher asks the right questions and points, and the student finds it within themselves. So if I say one plus one, this is a rudimentary example, but you know one plus one is two, and you know that two ones are two. So if you pose the question, um, if you have one three times, what do you have? So you're learning the multiplication tables by saying it in different ways that the right. they turn on a light. And so I'm a visual person. I'm, I'm a very visual learner. Mm-hmm. So what you did with the brain and you have, you're like this and then yeah. this comes in and I'm like, okay, got that. So yeah. we, so, so you just grow and, and yeah. that's what the arts do. I mean, so if you try to a, a type of writing, my point was if you try a type of writing that's beyond what you've tried before, you then have just grown, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you've experienced more of the world. And isn't that what learning and arts? Yeah. And so it's so people? uplifting too. So uplifting and, yeah. and filling and, and you become that much richer. Yes. You've seen that. Definitely. So, yeah, so I say try, you know, push yourself. Don't, don't take it easy uh, if, if it doesn't come. Um, stick with it. You know, the, the world is full of people who go, oh, I have that great book. I have that book. I know. I haven't written it, you know, yeah. or guitar players who lost their calluses who, who just couldn't find the time to stick with it. And that's, that's where we are. I mean, I'm guilty of it in different Me ways. Too. Too. Yeah. My yoga, I'm, I mean, I know I'm happier when I'm doing yoga daily. Yeah. Do I do it? <laughs> All right. Next time we talk, I'll be checking in. That's a deal. Okay. I, I hope we talk again. That would be great. I that would be that. great. I really enjoyed this. Me too. It's a pleasure.